Hello, Gretchen Buenas. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 35 of Radio Cachimbona. Radio Cachimbona is an abolitionist podcast that audio archives state repression and fierce migrant resistance in the southern Arizona borderlands and breaks down case law and politics from a leftist perspective. As a first-generation professional whose parents are Salvadoran immigrants, Yvette prioritizes uplifting the voices and histories of Central Americans. This interview was a really exciting one for me because it showed that this little grassroots Latina movement that I feel like was started by me and Cynthia Mesqua and Paulina Vera and Nubia of Latinas Uprising is now getting some institutional backing. So on this episode, I interviewed Jess Finley and Janice Gallego of the University of Arizona's Latina program, which is a one-of-a-kind effort to create a pipeline for Latina women to enter the legal profession. They shared what makes the U of A an ideal place for this pilot program, why such a mentoring program is needed, and why they became involved in that effort. I am a mentor with the Latina program and have been since it was launched. It's something that holds a special place in my heart because I love having younger mentees who are Latina first gens. I see myself in them and just want to give them a big hug and all the advice that I can impart. This was an awesome episode and I hope that it inspires other universities to bring similar kind of programs to their university campuses. I hope that y'all enjoyed this episode. Today, I'm very excited to have Janice Gallego and Jessica Findlay here today to talk about the Latina program. It's one of a kind and very exciting to have here at the University of Arizona. So thank you so much for coming to speak with me on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I wanted to first start off by asking, what was the impetus behind starting the Latina program? Well, the Latina program capitalizes on both our BA in law program and our Hispanic serving institution status at the University of Arizona um, as a way to help support um, young Latina women who are, or, or perhaps not, but, but generally young Latina women who are interested in going to law school. Um, and one of the things in developing the program that stood out to me was that we, um, as a country, only 2% of the practicing attorneys are Latina. In contrast, the BA in law program is, I believe it's 25% or so who are Latina. So that stood out to me as a, a like a gap where mm-hmm. here we have interest in the law, but somehow that's um, not translating to actually getting Latinas to the point where they're able to become attorneys. So how do we bridge that gap? I think it's really critical work because 2% of attorneys being Latina women is just absolutely unacceptable. And uh, it's really critical to develop these pathways for people who are interested in becoming attorneys. Yeah. Um, so I work closely with Janice and Marla Franco um, with the Hispanic Serving Institution 
to develop the program closely with the Latina community. And Janice and um, several other members kind of helped form a committee so that we could plan out what curriculum would be most beneficial to students and bridging the gap between our BA and law students and our law students. Um, And we also did a survey of women of color in Pima County about resources that would have been helpful for them as they were planning law school. And we've really developed the Latina program with, you know, those perspectives in mind and um, developed kind of like what would have been really critical for success. And one of the things is those social networks. So that's a strong part of the program um, and it centers largely around mentoring and um, helping students build their their own networks um, so that if they have questions or need support, they have people around them that they can ask or um, go to for help. And Janice, you were an instructor for the program, right? So what made you want to become involved in that way? So I think it really started, I I got connected with Jessica. She was applying for the grant that originally created the funding for the program. And I wanted to get involved with it because I remember, although it's been some time now, when I went through the process, I remember what it was like being a first-generation student and not having anyone in my family who was, let alone my immediate family who had graduated from college, but let alone who had attained a law degree and figuring out just navigating the process. What does the LSAT look like? How do you put a personal statement together? How do you put all the materials together to go and be successful in the law school application process, let alone be successful as a lawyer? And so... I had always found that mentorship had been a big part of my life and my professional career success, both having mentors, both within the legal community and outside the legal community, but really wanting to make sure that there was opportunities so that there was more people that look like me in the career, in the field of law. Um, Because I think that it's important to have representation of the community in the legal profession. And it's important that the legal profession is diverse as our country is. And right now it's not. What is the BA in law program and how does that relate to the Latina program? The University of Arizona is um, the first of its kind to develop a BA in law program Mm. that really focuses on law as an undergraduate degree. Mm. And it has courses that introduce students um, to legal concepts and the case briefing and legal analysis that they'll eventually encounter once they get to law school. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it also serves because some students, you know, are interested in careers where they maybe need a background in the law, but aren't necessarily practicing attorneys. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, It's a nice way for students who have interest in things like HR or, you know, law enforcement, where they can get that background without having to go to serve that three years of law school. And I think the other thing um, to add, I think the U of A is also unique, Jessica, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but we're one of the few programs that not only has a BA in law, but also has a three by three program. So we've had a number of students who participated in our cohort who have been able to do this three by three program where they're able to complete both their undergraduate degree and their law degree in a total of six years. 
So it's cutting a whole year out. Oh, wow. And so we've had a number who've done that. Yeah. And that, that is true. And uh, actually one of our Latina students in the pilot program did the three plus three program and is currently a 2L. That's so exciting. And another piece of her story that I really am excited about is that she, um, one of her best friends now in law school is one of the other Latinas that mm. she met in the participating in our pilot program. So, um, in their roommates. Oh my, that's adorable. Yeah, I know. It's such a, <laughs> but it's exactly kind of why the program was created. And, you know, so that students also have support amongst themselves in addition to their mentors. I think it's really great that you all are focusing on that network because it is such a critical part of the law school experience and also throughout your professional career. And Janice, I really appreciate you talking to the first generation experience because, you know, even though mentorship is really critical, when you didn't grow up with professionals in your midst, it can be very intimidating to think about building mentor relationships. And I often find that there does need to be like this structure in order to really facilitate that. And even as somebody, like I'm somebody who wants to mentor um, younger Latina women, women of color who are interested in going into the law and outside of my workplace aren't necessarily ways to do that. And I just appreciate that there is this concrete place to go and this program to be a part of um, to actually work on creating these networks because it's something that I want to do, but something that doesn't come intuitively to me and something that I think is exactly the kind of thing that needs to be funded because it is really critical, but a lot of times the community just doesn't have that infrastructure in place. This program, I think, really facilitates these relationships. what's really unique about the program and as someone who I served as a not only as an instructor but I, I served as a mentor for our first cohort mm-hmm. and in this last semester as an instructor I feel like and I hear this from people various mentors we've had plugged into the program is that not only are we getting this huge plus of getting to mentor these young women but I felt too that the times that the mentors were all able to meet together, it was all this great opportunity to realize there are other people in the community that we can pull yes. to each other. So it's not just about mentoring the young people. It's also in the group of mentors. We have people of different areas of practice mm-hmm. and we have people with different levels of experience as a lawyer mm-hmm. who we can pull upon and get to be able to like, oh, I didn't know you did employment law. Oh, I have a question. Somebody I know wants immigration. I can send them to you. So we're creating our own network. I believe everyone with some mentors so that we can be able to provide that because we experience things in a very different way that I think other people don't. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it, mentorship is such an important and, and so that these students, especially Latinas can see somebody that looks like them. And, and I didn't realize how important it was. You know, I always remember when I was a student, there really wasn't anyone else that looked like me mm-hmm. that was on the faculty right. um, at the law school. And, mm. you, know, you know, some of my closest friends are the other people of color that I went to law school with. Yeah. But 
I had a student a couple of semesters ago, because I still teach as an adjunct faculty at the law school in the JD program. And I had a Latina student who told me that her and her friends had noted that for me, I was a unicorn to them. Yeah. Because she goes, you look like us. Mm -hmm. You're a first generation. You look like us. And we can see that we can be successful Mm -hmm. because this is what you do. You teach. And, And I didn't realize just me by teaching this class, how important it was that now is a point in my career where I had been looking for that when I was a student, that now for these students, I'm that for them. I'm that quote unquote unicorn. I'm the person that looks like them that can help give them some inspiration and hope that they can achieve mm-hmm. and be successful yeah. and achieve their goals as a lawyer. I totally agree. The issue of Latinas in legal academia is also something that we need to talk about. Also an, a place of underrepresentation that needs to be improved upon. What were y'all doing in D.C.? Just I heard that you just came back from D.C.? We took a group of nine students who had been in the program in the spring to D.C. for five days, I believe. And um, we had funding from the Melody Robidu Foundation, and she, um, her foundation is supporting our Latina program this spring mm. so that we can offer things like LSAT prep. Oh, so important. Yeah, and host networking events. But some of the funding from her, as well as our University of Arizona DC Center, they provided support allowed the students to travel to D.C. And some of the things we got to do um, was tour the Holocaust Museum and the Mm -hmm. African-American History Museum. We also got to see the National Archives and Kirsten Cinema's office gave us a tour of Capitol Hill. And then we met with alumni who, many of them were women of color, who were working in the D.C. area and who had started there even as like interns themselves Mm -hmm. and were now professionals. And they were able to meet with the students and offer advice. And um, the main purpose of the trip was to help students with that professional identity formation piece Mm -hmm. So that they can start seeing um, where they may want to set their goals professionally and where they they may want to strive for with their legal education. So it was an amazing, amazing trip. I love that. I, was, I saw many of the photos online and was very jealous of it. <laughs> I know. I, I was I felt like I learned so much. And so I, I can only hope that they learned as much as I felt like I did. <laughs> but it was it was really a fabulous trip. You know, and they had really, the student conversations, I have to say, really blew me away. Like, they Mm. were all lovely to one another, and they were all kind to one another. And many of them didn't know each other well before the trip, if at all. And they got along and really supported each other and had conversations um, about, like, diversity and inclusion and some really thoughtful conversations. And they asked excellent questions of the, the alumni who met with them. We talked about kind of workplace equity Mm-hmm. and how um, some of the students are still feeling, um, even on campus, may feel like they're not being appreciated for what they're bringing to the table mm-hmm. and how to overcome those feelings and still show up in a way that 
they can contribute and kind of shine in a way. Mm-hmm. And they ask the alumni questions about how they overcame those feelings themselves. And um, we talked about this attitude of, you know, I think we live in like a scarcity society where there always feels like there's not enough. Um, and we talked about how women, especially in the Latina community, should be supporting each other and not feeling like they have to fight for everything and like there's enough for everyone to achieve and be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really important conversations and very thoughtful ones. Yeah, I feel that's so important that they're finding that support within each other and early on too. Yeah, yeah, I was really blown away at the level of maturity the students demonstrated on the trip. I feel like I'm not surprised at that. Like, there's a joke about being the oldest daughter in an immigrant family, which not every Latina is in an immigrant family, but like, it's very true that the eldest daughter, or just like daughters in general, are expected to be like the family's bookkeeper and like recipe holder and <laughs> trip planner and like retirement. <laughs> and uh, I'm just not surprised that that's how they're also showing up in their quest to be attorneys. Um, I love that. They really are, um, I think demonstrating that capacity now and recognizing the importance of that hard work now. Right. I think it too, it's really neat to see that the students, I feel like I've emailed them, the students we had this last cohort, whenever I email them about something that I might get an email about an opportunity for them, they like jump on it. Mm. And they're just so excited to continue to be engaged with each other, but also take advantage of these opportunities that may come. So whether it's an opportunity to volunteer or it's an opportunity to attend something where they can network, Mm -hmm. they really want to take that opportunity and utilize as best they can and make those connections. There was an opportunity for them to attend a networking event here in Tucson, probably what, what was it, Jessica, maybe a month and a half ago? Yeah. Not all of them could attend, but some of them did. And they were so excited to like, take advantage of whoever we could connect them to and introduce them to people. And I was just so impressed with the level of professionalism that they handled themselves and how they were networking and making sure that they introduced themselves. And, you know, if I made the introduction, like here, this is so-and-so I know they kind of took it from there. Yeah. And that was true for the DC trip. Almost every student that was qualified to attend did attend um, this trip. And I, I think I, you know, second what Janice is saying that, the eagerness for the opportunities is is really there. I know the program has been going on around three years, so it, it is kind of a newer program. And we've already been talking about the successes that have manifested themselves through the program, but I wanted to ask what other successes have you all seen now that you have done this program for three years? Or I guess, is it that it's been ongoing for three years or that you applied for it three years ago? We've done two cohorts and we're planning our third in the spring. Um, we did take a year off between 20, the first cohort, which happened during the pandemic and the second one, in part because of the pandemic, but this will be our third actual group coming up in the spring. 
Um, the things I've really noticed and enjoyed about working with the students is building those relationships myself with the students. Like from the first pilot, I'm still in touch with at least six students. Two have gone to law school and then the rest are interested in law school or, you know, it's still something they're pursuing um, while doing other things. Mm -hmm. A couple are doing like paralegal work, other working in like law offices. So the interest is there and they're trying to prepare for the LSAT primarily. And so, you know, I've really enjoyed Um, seeing how much that connection to the program has meant to the students and working with them and seeing them achieve their goals warms my heart so much. So that's probably my favorite piece of the program. Yeah, that's super heartwarming. I think for me, some of the most beneficial part, I think too, it goes back to the students. Um, I work full time as a practicing attorney and, you know, the opportunity to carve that time out of my day to go to the law school one day a week to teach the course, to see them learning and growing and asking really good questions about how does this happen or how do I navigate this question when somebody asks me this. I agree with Jessica that the students that have kept in touch just from this last semester, those bonds with those students, I keep in touch with them. They ask me questions. One of them, you know, was working at the Trader Joe's that I frequent and would ask, you know, stop me and tell me about things that were going on in their life or Uh, ask me questions. And so it was just that to be able to provide that continuing encouragement to them. And I also learned a lot from them as well about things that are a little bit different now than when I was an undergraduate student, Mm -hmm. they may be navigating and figuring out how to help and support them and provide them different perspectives from different people who have gone to law school at different times, whether they went and got a master's first, whether or not they worked and then went to law school. And so they can have those different experiences and figure out what works best for them. But I will tell you that this, you know, we had a student in the last cohort who, who did a study abroad and the student and a couple other students had this thing where they wanted to be my friend on social media and follow me. And I told, well, not to your grade was posted. I go, you can't until, you know, you can add me on LinkedIn, but you can't <laughs> on Instagram until your grades posted. And I explained <laughs> to them the professionalism reason behind that. And they totally understood. But it was like the moment those grades were posted, I suddenly got these requests. If I could, they could follow me on Instagram. And, and one of them did study abroad and was like, is it okay? Can, can I have a mailing address for you? I wanted to, they wanted to send me a postcard from where they were doing study abroad. And I said, yes. I, it was the most, that the fact that they just valued the relationship and whatever information I could provide to them. It just encouraged me. I, I told people, you know, no matter what I was dealing with that day in my day-to-day work, the, whenever I went and worked with these young women and provided, helped lead the class that day, I was instantly rejuvenated and re-inspired that entire week about why I do what I do, why I became a lawyer, and how I can become a mentor to these women. I would tell friends and family, I'm just re-energized. I'm reinvigorated and re-inspired by these women and why it's important for us to help each other and bring each other up so that there is more representation in the legal community, whatever that looks like, whether it's paralegals, whether it is lawyers, whatever that looks like that there's more of us out there. And I think being able to showcase that these, I think, educate these students to that being a Latina is a benefit and an advantage Mm -hmm. and not a disadvantage for them Mm -hmm. and how they can be able to show that while they're applying for jobs, while they're applying for master's or a law degree and how to be able to showcase that. Yeah. I even love the name itself because it will like encourages Latinas to know that they have a place in the legal profession. Well, thank you both so much, Janice and Jess, for coming onto the podcast to discuss the Latina program. I think it's so important and it's really exciting work that you all are doing. 
Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. You'll enjoy the rest of your Friday. Bye, you too. Thank you for listening to Radio Cachimbona. Radio Cachimbona is an abolitionist podcast that audio archives state repression and fierce migrant resistance in the southern Arizona borderlands and breaks down case law and politics from a leftist perspective. Yvette prioritizes uplifting the voices and histories of Central Americans as a first-generation professional whose parents are Salvadoran immigrants. If you want to support this podcast that even though it has been recognized by Apple Podcasts for Latinx Heritage Month and has a wide audience, and even though the Apple algorithm compares it to NPR podcasts, for example, this is a one-woman show. I have audio editing support from Fuerte, Arizona, but otherwise... Hosting producing is 100% me, and the only way that I've been able to keep this up for as long as I have is through the Patreon. So for $3, 5 or $10 a month, you get early access to all episodes and exclusive access to the lit reviews, which are book club style chats that I do with other women of color. I pick a series of books straight ahead of time for the season, post it on the Patreon so folks can follow along and read if they would like. I do know that money is tight. The economy is in a terrible state right now. And so if you are unable to donate to the Patreon, you can help the podcast in a completely free way by giving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. There were no new rating and reviews since the last episode that I put out. So I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you want to change that course of action, then please, please, please leave a rating and review. You can also follow at Radio Cachimbona on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I post about the episodes there and hope to keep the conversations going on those platforms as well. You can follow at Yvette Borja AZ for my personal Twitter thoughts, and that's where I share some of my writings as well. That's it for now, and I really, really appreciate it. Bye, Cachimbonas. <laughs>